Hello everyone, welcome to episode 905 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves has returned for 2021 in Chicago, kicking off Thursday, September 23rd, and running through Sunday the 26th at Metro, Smart Bar, and G-Man. Cold Waves is a celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, the memory of a fallen brother, and a fundraiser for suicide prevention charities. For more information, including the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week, we are chatting with and listening to the music of Friday Metro performer Dialect.
weights on our shoulders. So basically, I started as a as a DJ. Uh, my cousins were DJs when I was growing up. So I was like a little kid hanging out with them, you know, wanting to be like them. So they're the ones that really put me onto hip hop. And I'm talking like early. You know I mean, I'm talking like Grandmaster Flash, like like those days. You know what I mean? Ended up getting turntables when I was like 13, 14 years old around there. Started DJing. Have been like a neighborhood hip hop group since then. Uh, and then eventually uh, became an MC almost by accident. It was like I was in a crew where like the there was two MCs, one of the MCs left the group, and the other MC was like, "Yo, you ever think of rhyming?" And I was like, "Nah, not really." And he was like, "Oh, you, should, you know," he's like, "I think I think you'd be dope at it. You got a dope voice." And I was like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." Started started fucking with it, and you know, completely changed my life, man. And uh, you know, here I am now. You know, I, I still DJ for fun, but I wouldn't consider myself a DJ, more of an MC and producer now. By the time I was like in high school, I was in serious hip hop groups. And then uh, I met Octopus, uh, who was my original producer in dialect. I met him when I was in college. We started working together. He was very instrumental in uh, like the, the New Jersey, like punk scene and uh, indie rock scene. So he had recorded a lot of bands like uh, Rock Coalition, uh, the Van Pelt, All Natural Lemon Flavors. And we started basically like playing, playing on that same circuit and just playing wherever we could, like just getting on as an opening act even before we had a record. And basically, uh, Gern Blanston put out a lot of those other bands, heard what we were doing. And, uh, you know, he was like, yo, uh, Charles from Gern was like, yo, I want to put your record out. So we ended up doing what, what became Negro Necro Necros on his label. It came out probably like in 98. Basically never, never turned back since then, man. We just kind of been on the road nonstop. Did a lot of, you know, like just indie rock, just indie touring in general, just like with whoever would, would have us on. So we, we've played with, rock bands, we played with hip hop groups, we've played with, with anyone you could imagine at this point. And then basically during those tours, we uh, we were opening for for Lovage, Mike Patton and uh, Dan the Automator's project. And Patton heard what we were doing, you know, obviously was into it. First offered us like to come out to Europe to, to tour with him. So we, you know, obviously we accepted that and it's, you know, in a heartbeat. And then uh, when we were, when we were out there, like the first night we were out on tour, he was like, yo, like, what, like, what is it going to take for me to put out your record? And like, we were like, I, you know, to be honest, it's funny, like Octopus was all about it. Because I was like, I don't know, like, you know, like, listen, I, I respect Mike to the utmost. I, I think he's one of the most brilliant vocalists that, that we have. But at that point, I was like, oh, you mean the dude that was rapping on that, that MTV video with the flip, the, the, the fish flopping around? I was like, ah. I was like, you're going to be on his label? I was like, eh, I guess so. So I was like, I, I had to be sold on it, to be honest with you. But uh, I'm, ha I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, that I was convinced because, uh, you know, Mike, Mike really changed our life. Like just, you know, his, it, beyond that, his taste as a, as, a, as a label owner is phenomenal. Like my bandmates, I'm, I'm often in awe of the people that, you know, that we are on the roster with. So, um, yeah, man, like, you know, in, in all honesty, like without him putting our stuff out, like I, we wouldn't be 
anywhere close to where we are. You know what I mean? So I have a, a lifetime of, of gratitude to, to him and to Greg for an Ipic Act for putting our stuff out. But yeah, so, you know, basically we, uh, after being on Ipic Act, we just kind of continued being on the road for the next, I guess like me and Octopus were together for like 15 years doing this, culminating with us touring with, uh, with Tool on, a, on one of their tours, basically in North America with them. And then me and him went on hiatus. We just basically had, you know, it's, it, it had run its course. I think we both needed a break. We, like I said, we had been doing it pretty much nonstop for 15 years. And uh, we were both kind of, you know, burnt at that point. Uh, so we kind of took a step back, um, went in kind of different musical directions. I did uh, Iconoclast for a while. He started working on a bunch of different projects, uh, MRC Rhythms, a uh, couple of the uh, projects that he has. But he's, he went more like he lived in uh, Berlin for a while. So he went more like in a uh, like kind of like techno, like more dance world kind of thing. Um, but still like through his his lens. And I was, you know, I kind of went back to my hip hop roots. And then a few years of doing that touring doing that like just that noise just kept calling to me started doing like a couple dialect songs here and there at, at, at iconic class shows and i just started like i don't know i just felt like you know i, I just just sensed it how much i missed doing it i remember like me and him were at uh we were at a we went to go see kevin martin play here in brooklyn at this point the octopus was living in, in uh in new york again and you know i told him i was like yo you know i'm thinking about starting up again and he basically just, you know, let me know that his, you know, he just wasn't there, like in headspace. Like he, you know, we had both traveled our own paths musically and he was doing his thing, which I a thousand percent respect. So, but, you know, he gave like, you know, gave the blessing and, you know what I mean? was like, do your thing, man. He's like, I could tell you really want to do this. Continued bringing uh, Mike Manteca, who was, uh, I mean, he's been down with dialect since like the absence days. He was uh, one of the bands that we toured with that would open for us, uh, Destructive Swanbots. Then he was playing guitar with us, you know, live and then in the studio as well. Um, and then, like, you know, just kind of, you know, friendships build off of that. And like that, he's my brother, man. So bringing him in as co-producer just made the most sense to me because it's someone that already understood what what dialect was and what it is and what I wanted it to be. And then I brought it. I brought back uh, DJ Rec, who was uh, one of the original DJs. Uh, like he was the original DJ on uh, on Negro Necro Necros, and he's, you know, he was. That dude is like my mentor, man. He's the one that showed me how to use like samplers, the MPC 3000, SB12. So bringing him back was kind of, was nice, man. Cause that dude was there when we were doing basement shows and sleeping on people's floors. So to bring him back now where, you know, where we're actually, you know, making a little bit of noise and, you know, dude, dude was able to sleep in his own hotel bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I wanted him to, I wanted him to taste a little bit of the, like, whatever, if you consider that good life, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, w- I wanted him to see, you know, what I mean, like, like the 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 better side of it, and not just like the struggle that that he was part of. So it was nice to have him in there. We did uh, that's what for Eden with him. He also did the cuts on endangered philosophies, and then he, uh, you know, grew up and got a real job. <laughs> so he's still, you know, he's still down, but he's you know he's not really down to tour anymore. So uh, at this point, it's it's just being Manteca, you know, as a duo. We've been doing it for for a minute now. I'm I'm 45 years old, man, and uh, I still love every every second of it. You know, obviously the pandemic kind of like you know hit the full on brakes on everything. You know, the plans that we had kind of got you know pushed. So we're just finally like you know starting to you know to come back with you know Cold Wave being like you know basically the first show we're gonna play in I guess like two more than two years now. You know what I mean? 
I mean, your story mirrors so many other groups that I've talked to where it's like, you're young and you're doing whatever, and it, it, it doesn't even matter, you know, how much you get paid or where you're sleeping the next day. Cause you're doing it for the passion and, you know, you get older and some people are like, you know, I, I got responsibilities. I can't do this forever. And there's the one person who keeps going through until the, till they reach that point where they can support themselves on it and they're at a different place. And, and the other people that were there at the beginning are, are able to, to come back and, and enjoy it you know, with a different perspective and and to still have that passion without all that pressure at the beginning of knowing that it, it's this, it, it's this or, or, or it's nothing. And now it's, well, I, I can have my side job and I can, this can be my weekend thing, or I take a vacation and, and do this thing. It's like, you can still have that in your system. Yeah. I mean, like the, the thing is though, like for, for any kind of, well, a couple things. One, as I've always like, you know, people often ask me lately, like, you know, like what, like what knowledge or whatever would I give like younger musicians? And I, I always feel like that, that question, I really don't have too much to say. Cause it's like, I feel like so much has changed in the music game, in the music world that some of the, like, some of the things that made sense for us when we started out wouldn't even make sense in 2021. Um, but that being said, the one thing that I can tell people, like, you know, younger cats is, uh, the most important thing in my mind is that you need to define what success is for yourself. Like, don't, don't ever let anyone else like define success for you. You know what I mean? So like for us, like we, you know, early on, we, we understood, you know, we, we were, we were making experimental noisy ass hip hop at a time when barely anyone, if anyone was doing what we were doing, you know what I mean? So we knew that we were a niche thing. We knew that, it wasn't for everyone. So we also knew that it's not, you know, we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna be rich off of this shit. And we, you know, we even doubted we could make a living off of it. But like you said, we just did it because we loved it. To have any kind of success in this, in this industry, like you gotta be kind of crazy. You gotta be really lucky and you gotta have like extreme work ethic. Um, and then even then, maybe possibly it'll work out. It probably won't. But like, you know, what I mean, like you, you got to you got to love you got to love every second of what you're doing. Otherwise, there's really no point. It's not made for everyone. You know, what I mean, like it's like you have to be willing to walk that tightrope with no safety net underneath yourself. Then that's not for everyone. And I get it. Like when people had to, like, you know, dip out because they needed, you know, other priorities came up in life. I would never I would never look down on that and I would never like knock anyone for that. That's like each person's, you know, decision that they have to make. You know what I mean? Um, for me, it just, you know, I was lucky enough that that I was able to to kind of power through and still make it happen and you know, somehow have a you know successful marriage and relationship. Uh, there's a lot of shit that I don't really quite understand how it panned out for me. Like I said, it, 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 a lot of luck.
a lot of people I know that, you know, they strict to their genre bubbles. You know, when I was growing up, my friends liked the punk scene and they only listened to punk. And then, you know, I was listening to industrial and you crossed over. As you mentioned, you, you, you toured with Tool or Dillinger Escape Plan or Young Gods. And why do you feel like you were able to, to break out in a way that, that others don't get out of their own silo? Was it scientific or you think it was something else? Um, I, I think initially, I think it's just having the mentality of a DJ and like having like the true mentality of what hip hop, I, I mean, is at least in my mind, which is like, it was always about digging through crates and listening to all types of shit and creating something brand new out of all these pieces that you liked, you know what I mean? So like genre never really mattered to me. Like I had, I had cousins, I had cousins that put me onto metal when I was young. And I was, you know, I was into metal just like I was into hip hop, just like, and then I grew up in the eighties, man. So, you know, you can't front. I was listening, I was listening to pop radio and watching MTV too. You know what I mean? So Michael Jackson, uh, Kaja Gugu, whatever, you know what I mean? Like if, if it was on pop radio, you were listening to it as a kid. So to me, like genre never really mattered to me. I was like, to me early on, it was always either it's good and I'm, I'm feeling it or I don't feel it. And that's it. So that kind of allowed me to to create the kind of music that we we ended up creating is because that that open mindedness and that willingness to to listen to new things and to experiment. We just carried it. You know, we just pushed it further and kind of to see like where we could take it. You know, by the time I met Octopus and, and I met uh, Josh Booth from All Natural Lemon Flavors, like hearing All Natural Lemon Flavors and being introduced to my, my bloody, bloody, I'm sorry, my bloody Valentine, like really just kind of changed the whole like the whole landscape to me and like it was like yo like when i heard loveless i was like i want to do that but but hip-hop but not just that but like that was like my frame of reference you know what i mean you know and as, as far as like who we played with honestly it was it was more out of necessity and more because we didn't really fit with anyone we played shows with de la soul and we played shows with far side and we played shows with krs and then we also played shows with Dillinger and the Melvins and Patton Bands and ISIS and, you know, uh, Rock Coalition or Tool. You know what I mean? It, like to us, it never really mattered. Like it was like, to me, it was like every show was like was a battle. And it was like, we're going to go in there. We're going to put on the dopest show we could put on. I don't give a fuck that we're going first. And we're going to try to win over as many people in that crowd as possible, knowing that most people are going to hate us. But that that was fine too. Like, what, yeah, honestly, like when we were younger, like I'd I'd be disappointed if the room didn't clear out. You know what I mean? Because to me, it was like, all right, we just got rid of all the suckers, and now like the six kids that are left, those are the maniacs that get it. And you know, true, like true to that, those like five or six maniacs are still coming out to shows now. You know what I mean? Like once once they were into it, they were into it. And I'd rather you know, I'd I'd rather have someone's like true true feelings on the matter. I don't need polite applause. You know what I mean? Like either you feel me and you really feel me or you hate me and you really hate me and that's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like music isn't, all, all the music is subjective. So if you're into it, cool. And if you're not, it's not your thing. It doesn't, it doesn't make what I'm doing wrong. It's just not made for you. That's why Cold Blues is so great because people are so on, people are, are, are open-minded. And even within the nights, you know, the genres bounce back and forth and, and everyone is there the second they can get there and they stay until the end. You, you know, you don't have the people coming for their bands and leaving like, like they do at the bigger festivals. 
Yeah, that that that's dope to me. That that's that, that's always been my favorite kind of environment where you have people that are genuinely there to hear music. And you know, what I mean, like we we try to make like our even our own tours that way. Um, like most, like pretty recently we toured with uh, with O'Donnell Sedanis, who's also on the bill uh, at our co waves. And those those brothers, like we toured with them. We did like a week or two with them in the in the U.S. and Canada. And our music is very different, but it worked. You know, what I mean, like, and that that's what I loved about it too. It's like you could find very different groups and the music could be very different from each other but it still works as a night you know what i mean as as like an experience for the audience you touched on this a little bit before but you know covid screwed up everyone you know to some degree over the past 16 months or so i saw on your bandcamp page you have a seven volume uh meditation release up tell me a little bit about that was that because you were stuck and you needed you know some creative outlet yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. I, I live I live in Union City, New Jersey. It's like right, you know, right outside Manhattan. You know, our, our, our life like just came to a standstill. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't even come to my studio building in the beginning. So I remember like when when things first started popping off, like I came to my studio and just grabbed like essential, like essential gear just to bring back to my to my house so I could set up a little, you know, like a little setup in the in the in the study or whatever. Um you know, just to have somewhere to work, to be able to do something. And uh started doing um like broadcasts, like DJ broadcasts at first. Guess I was doing it on Twitch originally. And then uh out of one of those, I had all the gear over there. So instead of like a DJ set, like I just started doing like improv beats and just kind of broadcast that live. Like I created them as I was, you know, as we as I broadcasted it, I just started making these beats and like people were watching or whatever. When I was done, I had like, you know, it was a good like hour or two that I had done. Um, and the people that tuned in were like, yo, that shit was crazy. Or, you know, are you going to release that? And I was like, I wasn't even really planning on that. I was like, but I was like, yeah, I was like, let me let me go back and I'll, you know, just kind of like roughly edit it just to, you know, trim it up a little bit and make it more presentable. But just kind of basically just left it, you know, as it was and released that as the first volume. I wasn't really sure like what what it was going to be and it it just kind of happened organically like uh it started being like one a month and with everything that started happening you know what I mean like first like the pandemic then shit that was going down with cops killing motherfuckers and protests and all of this uh marching and everything like it all just kind of it just gave me like um just like a forum, just like a, a place to to vent and to express myself. And each volume kind of like evolved. So like some of them were kind of found sounds of things that I recorded while I was marching. Um, others were like snippets from, you know, from the streets or from, from news things. Uh, some of it was like, you know, just free form noise pieces. And then slowly I started also writing songs that I, that would, be in there so there's like within the seven album seven uh uh volumes there's like it starts becoming more like dialect records so like there's like you know there's songs in there too with like lyrics and the whole thing um so they became like very you know pretty involved i guess the knowledge over nonsense features like one with myself and uh in dev one and that was like later on. So like I, I was back in the studio at that point. So they were like, you know, I was doing a, like a lot more work on them and was able to get another MC on there. So like it it was just like it, it was dope to have that that outlet 
for that year because you know there was no touring and beyond that like we weren't even we weren't even supposed to tour last year luckily um we, the plan was that we were we were going to be working on the new dialect record but even that got scrapped because you know uh my, my co-producer my deca couldn't come through he was stuck out in brooklyn so you know even doing that like wasn't you know like we were like we contemplated doing it remotely but that's not really how we work so we just decided to kind of just put it on on pause for for a while and just you know see what what was going to happen um so like the the meditations just kind of became like my outlet for the year um and i'm you know i'm i'm grateful that i that i had that and i'm also humbled that you know people people you know felt it and a lot of people picked that up off of the banking page and all that so it was just, you know, on all fronts, considering we weren't touring, we weren't, you know, we weren't doing anything. It was just more productive of a year than I thought I would have. Um, when I when I look back on it, I was like, damn, like I actually, that's probably like the most output I've done ever. Because when I go back and listen to them, they're like full, like by the end, they're like fully formed albums that I was releasing on a monthly basis, which is kind of crazy. But I guess when you have nothing but time on your hands, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't that much of a stretch, really. So you said you're you're working on new dialect stuff. Uh, you have your other project, at Iconoclast. You got your label, Deadverse. So you know, for any fans that are listening, what what do you have coming up over the next couple of months that they can look forward to? Yeah, so we just released uh, Iconoclast, Changing Cultures with Revolvers on vinyl. Um, that record, like, was originally put out in 2015, but it was only on cassette. Uh, it's not not available on any streaming service. I just recently, during the pandemic, I made it available uh, digitally on Bandcamp, but it's still not on streaming services. So now we have it on vinyl. New Dialect record is progressing nicely. Realistically, you know, because of like, you know, just manufacturing, you know, timelines and all that, we're looking at probably like a release date next year sometime. Um, once once we have a clearer picture of what's going on, we'll know more, but it'll, it'll be next year. Um, Next year is like where, where we're aiming to, you know, do full touring again, hopefully if everything, you know, continues on the upward trend. But yeah, we got those two things. I just, this is kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it here just to kind of put it into the, put it into the ether. But uh, I got a couple joints that I've been working on just kind of one-offs with, uh, with different MCs and dialect records. I, I, one of my idols is Rakim and Rakim never had any guests on his album. So that's why you'll never see any guests on dialect albums. But I have like these one-off joints where, that I've done like with other MCs, I was like, man, I was like, you know, maybe I should just do like an EP with with those together. So that's kind of like I put the call out to a couple a, a couple other MCs that I you know that I want to work with. I'm gonna see I'm gonna see what happens with that. So I'm not sure if that'll end up coming out before or after the dialogue record, but there's definitely gonna be something else that's gonna be out there. I'm working on a new Dev One record, uh, which I'm just doing production on. I might I might jump on the mic for that with him on a couple of joints, but for the most part, I think it's just gonna be him on that but it'll be my production. Um, I've been doing remixes for a lot of artists. Uh, I've been working with this cat, uh, Angry Man. I've done two remixes so far that are available on Bandcamp. You could find them, uh, Angry Man, one word. We scored a film uh, that, that should be coming out uh, sometime soon. So there's, there's, we, we got a lot of things going on, man. We've, uh, we're definitely staying busy. I mean, like I said, like been in this game a long time, but no, no signs of slowing down anytime soon, I'll tell you that. Oh, uh, one more thing we got. So I, I mentioned the, the Faust dialect record, but more recently we did a project called Anguish with uh, Hans-Joachim Immler from Faust, a couple of guys from the Fire Orchestra, 
So it's kind of this weird, like, kraut rock, free jazz, hip hop thing. Um, so we have an album out with them. It's just called Anguish. That's already available, but we're we're talking about doing a second one. So that's another thing that'll be out there. So, you know, more more noise to listen to. Inherently known to infants Mangled adult psyche Terrified of all that's different 
On this episode, you heard Eversomber, the son of immigrants, and Molten. Dialect can be found at dialect.bandcamp.com. Our opening music is Euthanasia by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Mark from Choke Chain. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, Jamie Duffy. Here is Eric Strumbach sharing one of his memories. My story goes back to like 2006, 2007. This was the Acumen Frontline Tour and it was always, I was usually first shift for driving because I was sober and I was the roadie. And on one particular night, we were leaving the venue. Everybody was asleep almost immediately, except for me in the driver's seat. And Jamie was our co-pilot that night. And he goes through and he goes, this is what we want, want to put on. He points at the CD. It's Iron Lung Corporation. Big shiny spears. I was like, you want to listen to your own band? He's like, this is what I want to hear. I was like, all right, this sounds a little awkward, but I'll let you do you. So he puts it on. And from the second it started to the end of the album, he gave like this like audio commentary off the cuff of just talking about making the record, a studio story, a recording technique, a a funny story of how something came to be. This one was an old version of this. This got reworked into this. You know, this person did this. And it just like went on and on and on. And then right after the the album ended, he went right into the second ILC album and did the same thing with that. And I just, I don't know, it was really entertaining and it was just like kind of amusing. And the unfortunate thing is what's lost in time is what some of those specific stories were because it's 12, 13, 14 years later. And I don't remember that stuff as well as I remember other things, but I remember that it happened and I remember it being pretty great.